Hallelujah. So last week I started to discuss the topic of freedom. Uh, it was 4th of July weekend, uh, Independence Day. I just really believe, I truly believe, I've watched a lot of sermons over this past week and, and different people, that, different messages that they preached on the 4th of July. And uh, I don't, I really don't believe, I really do believe that there are people that don't, that's what I want to say, there are people in this country that don't understand the price that was truly paid for our freedom. We as Christian people, I believe, don't really understand the price that was paid for our spiritual freedom. But there are people that are living in this land. We got people serving in Washington, D.C. We got people serving in politics that have no clue even what the, the, the Declaration of Independence says. I've been involved with the court system for a long time in the former ministry I used to have. Uh, I, I have to go to court all the time. John Geiger back there is an attorney. See if he agrees with me on this, but this is the reality. As I, I knew a lot of attorneys. I spent about 20 years in the court system. Attorneys today do not practice constitutional law. They practice case law. What that means is because somebody got lucky and they won a case and it wasn't built on the Constitution, now that has set a precedence for everybody else to say, well, you did it for them, so you got to do it for me. And that's what we've done in this country is we've got a bunch of people that are breaking the law, they're getting away with things, and we've got other people that are saying, well, you did it for so-and-so, you got to do it for this one. And we got people living the Christian life that are doing the same thing, and they're trying to say that sin is okay because somebody else did it. Try that when you stand before Jesus. Sin is still sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says this. I'll give you just a second. One. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again. Say again. That's the problem. That's the problem. Is God has delivered you. God has healed you. God has brought you out. And then we forget what we have been brought out of. And we get entangled again back into sin. Paul says, stand fast. Now the word right here for stand fast is the Greek word steko, which means to persevere or persist. Persevere or persist. I get people all the time that come up to me. I had, I had a guy tell me this one time, and he said, well, you must not have been much of an addict if you've never craved again. I said, well, you must not know much about my God, or you'd be in the same position I'm in. For 20 years, I said this last week, I'm not going to share my whole testimony for sake of time, but I started smoking cigarettes, I started smoking pot, and I started drinking alcohol at age seven. Wow. Seven. I was smoking marijuana at seven. When I was nine years old, my stepdad died of an alcohol-induced stroke. I started taking medications out of my mom's medicine cabinet, my grandmother's, anything I could get. By the time I was 12, I was strung out on mescaline. I was using heroin. I was using acid. 
up until my 20s, I was constantly on this rotation of drugs. In September of 1998, God radically delivered me. I was not in a church. Nobody was praying for me. I was laying on the floor of my son's nursery, and I screamed and I cried for three and a half hours. I said, God, if you'll just take it. The problem was is my mouth kept on going. When I got to the point after three and a half hours where my, my voice had given out because I'd been screaming so much, I heard the voice of the Lord say, all you got to do is give it to me. Remember what he said to Elijah? I'm not in the wind. I'm not in the rain. I'm not in the thunder. I'm in a still, small voice. The problem is God is speaking to some of us. We just won't shut up long enough to listen to what he's saying. And when I got to the point where I couldn't talk anymore, the Lord said, just give it to me. I gave him everything. I dumped out a whole 12-pack of beer. I dumped out a whole fifth of whiskey. I, I threw away CDs. I threw away videotapes. I went through my whole house. I had pictures of me when I was in Fort Lauderdale, when I had pictures of me in Daytona Beach. I had pictures of me doing things that I would hate for my kids to ever see, and I threw them all away. Somebody asked me one time, they said, man, why didn't you sell those CDs? I probably got rid of thousands of dollars of CDs. They said, you could have taken that stuff down to the pawn shop and made lots of money. Am I going to hand my sin off to somebody else? I threw it all away. And I've never looked back. I've never craved. I've never desired. I still have a hard time going into restaurants that serve alcohol because I can't stand the smell. I still have a hard time being around people that smoke because I can't stand the smell. I hear people all the time, they say, well, I quit for six months, but the problem is, is they went right back and they were entangled again because we haven't got rid of everything in our life. We want to hold on to little nuggets of things. I used to tell people all the time, I started going to church in 1996, and, and people say, well, I thought you were saved. I said, I am saved. They said, why do you still listen to ACDC? I said, well, I like it because I like working out. I don't really listen to the words. That's a lie. That's a lie. I'm a little bit older now, I won't tell you, but I'm a little bit older than I was when I got delivered in 1998. And I still go to sporting events, and they'll start playing some of that stuff, or my wife and I will go to the mall, and we'll walk in some of these stores, and that music starts, and all of a sudden I'll find myself kind of doing one of these, and those words coming out, and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. And i got to run, and I'll, I'll run out, and I'll start praying. Take that thought captive. Get that junk out of here. Devil, no fiery darts are coming my way. I will not be entangled again. We need to persevere in liberty. I challenged you last week with this question. And if you weren't here last week, I challenged you this week with this question. And you need to write this down. Are you living as you should or are you living as you please? Are you living as you should, or are you living as you please? Well, I'm in church. I don't care. There's going to be a bunch of people in church going to crack hell wide open. Are you living as you should, or are you living as you please? Are you living as you should according to the Word of God? The Bible says His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Am I living according to the full Word of God, or am I living to please my flesh? Christ Jesus has made a way 
He has made a way for freedom. Freedom from addiction, freedom from sickness, freedom from sin. The problem is, is we don't understand what true freedom really is. So real quickly this morning, what is true freedom? What have I been freed from? Sin. And I don't think we really understand in the modern church today, nor do we understand in this nation anymore, what sin is. Our government has lied to us. Other people have lied to us. And they, they try to, even churches are telling people that some of these things are okay. Now, I don't know how many of you watch the news, and if you do, we'll have prayer time at the end of service that you can come and get that stuff out of your mind as well. But how many of you have heard somebody that, that had maybe pastor or reverend or bishop or something in front of their name, and they said that oh, abortion is okay? Anybody? How many of you have heard somebody with reverend, pastor, or something like that in front of their name that said that, 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 said that uh, homosexuality is okay? Lies from the pit. I was talking to a couple pastors this week. I got home from lunch, and I told my wife, I said, I don't know if those guys were listening to my sermon or not, and if they were trying to, to get me to say something contradictory to what I preached last week. I said, but I'm standing true, and I looked at both of them. Now, understand what I'm saying. I love the drug addict. I love the alcoholic. I love the homosexual. I love the person that had an abortion. I love the person that's in adultery. But I hate their sin. And the only way that they're going to know that they're in sin is if we tell them what their sin is. But many people will not preach sin. We want to preach feel-good messages that pump people up and then they go right back out of the church and tangle themselves again, again, again. So what is sin? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, the Apostle Paul gives us a list. He said, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand. He told them already. And now he's got to tell them again. Why? Because they got entangled again. Of which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things. This is where we get in the ditch. Well, pastor, are you saying that if, that if I do one of these things, I'm born again and I do one of these things that I'm automatically going to hell and I've lost my salvation. No. Jesus didn't die on a cross for you to lose your salvation that quick. Paul said if you practice. Well, pastor, I was working in the yard. I got a little upset and I cursed. Well, ask for repentance. But if you walk around with a potty mouth, that's practicing. Well, I was around some people I shouldn't have been around, and they were doing some things that, that they shouldn't have been doing, and I kind of got caught up in it, and I, I tried some of that. Well, repent. But if you keep hanging out and going over there every Friday night practicing, well, I was out of town, and, 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 and there was this person, and, and things went the wrong way, and it shouldn't have happened. That's bad. Repent. 
But if you got her number in your phone book and you keep calling, setting up other dates, that's practicing. You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Paul is very clear what sin is. And if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he goes on in Romans chapter 1 and he gives us another list. Just in case you're not for sure. Romans chapter 1 verse 27 through 32, he says, Likewise also, men leaving the natural use of women burn with lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful. What is that called? Homosexuality. committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. What he's talking about right there is if you keep practicing, your mind will give over to those things. You'll be entangled. You'll be in bondage. You'll be stuck in that trap if you don't constantly renew your mind. You need to understand that it's wrong. I've said this before, and people laugh at me. I started smoking again when I was seven years old, smoking cigarettes. I, I remember the first time I got one of my, my stepdad's cigarettes, and I went out behind the garage, and, man, my, my heart was beating out of my chest, and my, my palms were all sweaty, and, and I was, boy, I was nervous, and that cigarette was just moving everywhere. I'm trying to light it, and I couldn't get the flame to hit the cigarette, and I was just, man, I was... And part of it was scared of what dad might do if he found me. But more than anything, I had just enough church to know that this was wrong. But what happened was that I smoked that cigarette and I turned green. The next day I smoked it and I didn't turn as green. And I didn't shake as much. The third time, I barely shook at all. By the fourth time, I was hooked. By the fifth time, I was blowing little pretty circles. Because I was entangled. Sin. We quench the Spirit of God. We quench the convicting power of God. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. Now just in case you think, well, Pastor, I've never done drugs. I've never smoked. I've never drank alcohol. I've never fornicated. I've never committed adultery. I've never committed homosexuality. I'm good. Let me keep reading. Evil-mindedness, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving. Pause. Unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve to those who practice them. Backbiters, proud, untrustworthy, unforgiving, unmerciful. So I go back to the question. Are you living as you should or are you living as you please? Man, I, it blows my mind I've told you before, I don't, a lot of you have invited us, not so much anymore because you kind of get, Pastor, you want to go out to eat after lunch, after church rather. I don't go out to eat on Sundays a lot of times. Number one, by the time I get done ministering, I need a happy nappy. <laughs> Number two, if I go out to eat 
then that waitress, that cook, that hostess, they've got to work. If enough of us Christians quit going out on Sundays, maybe some of those people at those restaurants can start coming to church. But number three is I go to restaurants and they're full of other church people and I'm listening to the way they talk and it makes me sick because you wonder why people don't come to church. I've said this before, my wife, when she was working her way through college, worked at Cracker Bros, she said, I hated working Sundays. They were the rudest people and the worst tippers. Gossipers, backbiters. It's sin. But then there's another type of sin, real quickly, I'm just going to go through this. James 4.17, he says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it is sin. To know that you're supposed to do something and not doing it is sin. To know that God's called you to be involved in helps and not do it because you don't want to get tied up at, at church is sin. To know that you're supposed to give to something and you don't give financially to it is sin. To know that God's calling you into ministry and you don't want to accept the call is sin. To know to do good and don't do it is sin. So, We've got a list of what sin is. But true freedom comes by faith and devotion to Jesus Christ. True freedom from those things can be had when we live a repentive lifestyle. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, he says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When we sin, when we get into sin, when we're practicing sin, when we're doing these things, we get this veil. We can't see the truth. It's a veil that even covers our ears. We can't hear the truth. That's why just about every Sunday, every time I preach, I said, Lord, give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. Miss Darlene, is this your first day on the camera? Bless you, sister. But we get into this thing where, where we get around the wrong people and we get our ears closed, we get our eyes closed. We need to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. He says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. In September of 1998, God took the veil. I could see the sin that I was in. I could see that the music I was listening to was sin. I could see that the movies I was watching was sin. I could see that the way I was talking was sin. When my wife walked back in the house that Sunday, because that took place on, on a Saturday night, when she came back home on Sunday, and she said, what's the box doing at the end of the road? And I came off of the couch, and I hit my knees. I said, honey, I've had to ask God to forgive me. Now I need you to forgive me. She looked at me, and she said, where's my husband? Who are you? Why are you in my house? And I had to explain to her what, what had all transpired. I believe, I trust that, that Sunday, she believed a little bit. But it was over time. It was me walking in it, practicing it, living it, that she believed. How many times have you said, I quit? I'm done. I'll never do it again, and only to go back and be entangled again. We need to allow the, the veil to be taken away. It goes on and says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, if the Spirit of the Lord is there, 
And if you're listening, there's freedom. If the Spirit of the Lord is there, there's freedom. Sin leads to nothing good, but when one turns to the Lord, He rescues us from the bondage that leads to guilt and condemnation. So how do we get rescued? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 4, 12 says there is salvation in no other name except for the name of Jesus. We need to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to cry out to Him. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So how can we stand fast how can we persevere in the liberty, the freedom of Christ Jesus that has made us free? I'm glad you asked. Number one, die to self. Die to self. This is the hardest thing for most people is to die to your own flesh. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. See, when Jesus died on the cross, it was public. It was open to everybody. There was no way to hide it. The Bible says that they stripped Him naked. They put Him on a hill. They hung Him on a cross. People for miles could see Jesus on the cross. There was nothing public or private rather about His crucifixion. And yet when we want to die to self, we want to go off and we want to hide in a corner. Not only did I tell my wife what Jesus did, I began to go out and tell everybody. The guys that I worked with in the car business, the guys that heard me cuss like a, a sailor, the people that knew that I went out and drank with them, I started telling everybody I ran into, I've been set free in the name of Jesus. I've been washed in the blood in the name of Jesus. I'm born again in the name of Jesus. Why did I do that? Because then I had all eyes looking on me. Died to self. Make, make it public. I think about this when I, when I do pre-marriage counseling. I'm doing a, a pre-marriage counseling with a couple right now. And I, I, I've said this many, many times. I've held credentials for uh, almost 20 years. 20 years I've held credentials to be able to marry someone. And I've only done five weddings, maybe six. Well, Pastor, don't people ask you to marry them? Well, a lot of people ask, but a lot of people don't want to do what I tell them to do. They come in and, and they say, well, we want to get married. I said, okay, well, let me ask you a couple questions. We start doing the pre-marriage counsel. The first question I ask them, are you sleeping together? Yeah. Are you willing to stop until you get married? No. Go find somebody else. Have you been married before? Yes. Did you go through any type of counseling after your divorce? No. Go get some counseling. I'm willing to do it, but you don't need to get married until you do some counseling. How's your finances? Well, she's going to have hers. I'm going to have mine. Why are you going to have separate accounts? Well, in case it doesn't work out, I'm not going to marry you. Now, I've only done five or six weddings, but I've probably done 70 or 80 funerals. I've never had anybody get up out of the casket. They take it serious. If people getting married would start taking it serious, I'd probably do more weddings. But we get people nowadays that get married, and then that's the first thing out of their mouth. Well, if it doesn't work, 
Now we've even gone a step further where people think, well, I'm just going to live with them. That way I don't have to worry about divorce. I just pack my stuff and leave. So when I think about marriage, I always tell them this at one of the last sessions. And I don't know how you got married. I can remember when we got married. You know, when it comes in there, sometimes it's just, I'm still working on taking that captive thing. We got married at Fall Creek Falls on this deck that overlooks the mountain. And and people ask, well, where'd you guys get married? And Sheridan always says, well, we got married at Milligan's Overlook. But right, right down from Milligan's Overlook, there's a trail that goes down and there's a rock ledge right there. And so when people ask me, say, Pastor Tim, where'd you guys get married? I said, we got married at Buzzard's Roost. (laughs) I love you. We got married at Milligan's Overlook. Overlooking Buzzard's Roost. But we had a bunch of people, family, friends. There were a bunch of people, I don't know, maybe 100 people at our wedding. How many of you had more than just you and the person you were marrying at your wedding? Y'all just, there's just the two of you and a preacher? Yeah. You didn't have people come to your wedding? No? Wow. JP. All right. So how many, do it again. How many, I, I got sidetracked. So you have people there. All right. So imagine this, just in case any of you desire, you want to come see me for marriage counseling. This church is full. You come walking down the aisle. You stand up here. All these people, and I say, before all these witnesses, I now pronounce you man and wife. If in 10 years you decide you want to get divorced, are you willing to send out invitations, come back to the church, have all those same people sitting here, and you explain to them why you want to get divorced? People look at me like, I've got two heads. Well, no, I would never do that. Then I'm not going to marry you. Because if you can't justify to those hundred people or whoever comes to your wedding why you need to get divorced when you invited them to their wedding you spent a bunch of money on food and everything else when you got married. It's the same way with Jesus. I went out and I told everybody, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I've been set free. I've been washed in the blood. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine me going back and getting entangled to sin again and somebody coming up to me and saying, well, Tim, I thought you were... Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to hide. No. The reason the Bible talks so much about marriage is because it's public and it's intended to be till death do you part. The way you get born again is supposed to be public until you meet Jesus. We need to die to self. I have been set free. Colossians 3.3 says you died and your life is hidden in Christ. I died and my life is hidden in Christ. I tell everybody, I'm not perfect, but I'm in Christ. I'm washed in the blood. Number two, not only do you need to be crucified with, uh, die to self, crucified with Christ, but number two, you need to rise with Christ. Jesus, even though all those 80 funerals I did, they stay dead. Thank God, can you imagine that? <laughs> Woo! The widow named son sat right up. I paid a lot of money for that casket. Pastor, tell him to die. All right. But not only do you die to self, but Jesus rose. 
Romans chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You didn't know the Tim that died in 1998. You don't know that guy. My wife knows that guy. She can tell you stories about that guy. But that guy's dead. Good place for an amen, honey. Thank you very much. <laughs> Work with me now. All right? That, that guy's dead. I, 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 true story. I remember shortly after I got saved, shortly after I got born again, shortly after I got delivered, we went up to Michigan where all my family lives. We were sitting in a restaurant with my mom. My mom, she's finally getting it after watching enough videos of me and being around me when I preached in revival. She's finally, but for the first couple of years, she, she kind of kept one eye like, it's just a matter of time. But we went up there to visit her, and we were sitting in this restaurant. And while I'm sitting there, this, this guy comes walking in. His name was Epi Gomez. Me and Epi used to uh, like to mix it up a little bit. We, we didn't like each other a lot. All right? Whole nother story. But Epi come walking in, and my, my mom turned around. She knew him. She looked over at me. She's like, no, it's okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I know you guys don't. She goes, don't start nothing. I said, I'm not the same person I used to be. She goes, well, I, I know God's doing the work. And I just finally looked at her, and I got up. She goes, Tim, don't you? And I went walking over. Now, let me just tell you. I hadn't changed a whole lot. It's a little bit wider, but I hadn't changed a whole lot in like 40 years, okay? I've been shaving this dome for a long time. So I walked over, and Epi knew exactly who I was when I walked up. And as soon as I walked up, I saw him. He stepped back. And I just put my hands up. I said, hey, man. I said, been a long time. Yeah? I said, I don't want any trouble. I said, I just wanted to come and say, hi. I'm sorry for all the things I used to do. Uh, I'm living in Tennessee now, and I said, uh, man, I, I've been saved. Uh, I've been delivered from all that stuff. I, I'm not the old person I used to be, and I just wanted to say I'm sorry. And I stuck my hand out, and he's like, what? I said, hey, man, I, I'm, just, I'm just wanting to say hi. I'm, 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 I don't fight no more. I don't cuss no more. I don't drink no more. I don't do those things no more, man. Uh, I'm married. I got two kids, uh, and I'm, I'm a minister. You pull on my leg. I said, no, man, I'm being serious. I said, I just wanted to say hi. I said, you know, anything I can do for you? He said, no, man. I said, all right, brother, it's good to see you. And I just, I, the whole time, my hand's out there. And he finally just looked at me. He's like. And he just backed up. I said, good. I went back to my table. And my mom's just sitting there going. That old man dead. He's died. Don't resurrect him again. It's been, it's been done away with. But I'm still alive and I still live in this world. But today, I serve a different king than the king that I used to serve. We rise to life and we live in a world that reflects our Christ-likeness. Our old nature is done away with. We are no longer slaves to sin because we're married to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Think about when Lazarus when Jesus called him up out of the tomb, Lazarus come forth. Shortly right after that we read where they're having dinner at Lazarus' house and there's all kinds of people because they wanted to come see the dead man that is now alive. 
Think about how much different Lazarus' life was when he came back from the grave. Think about how much different the widow Nain's son was when he came back from the grave. Think about how much different the leper's life was when God healed him. Think about how much different the woman with an issue of blood's life was when Jesus touched her. Think about all the people that Jesus set free and how their life was different. If your life is no different than it was before you got saved, then you probably need to get saved. Colossians 3, 1 says, If you are then raised with Christ, seeking those things which are above where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God. If you are raised with Christ, what are you seeking? Number one, die to self. Number two, rise with Christ. And number three, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, tells us that I do not get conformed to this world. But I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. I, I say this all the time. I'm not going to preach it. I'm just trying to get you to know. This transformed is a metamorphosis. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the same word from when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. You know butterflies will never go back and become a caterpillar again? So as a child of God, you shall never go back to that old way of being entangled to sin. You are to be transformed. Your mind is renewed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We need to renew our mind. You can only renew your mind when you're fellowshipping with people whose mind's been renewed, when you're doing things like reading the Word of God, reading Christian books. It only changes when you're spending time with God in prayer. What are you doing to renew your mind? Because if you're doing the same thing that you used to do, you're going to get the same result. But if we're renewing our mind, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. My thoughts consume. We, we, were, uh, we went to Atlanta Friday. I've got her hooked now. We, we go to Atlanta Friday, and normally when we're driving down the road, I'm like, hey, grab a piece of paper or, or get your smartphone. Paper was old way we used to do it. Now we just use smartphones. But, but I was like, hey, type this down. Because my mind is just constantly going, and I'm like, here's a sermon idea. Here's this. Here's that. And, and she's like, does your mind ever shut off? And, and she just don't even ask anymore because she knows it don't. So we're driving through Atlanta the other day, and I made a comment about somebody that was in front of me in the slow lane. And I said, you know, it's kind of like, like some people in the church. And she's like, oh, yeah. She goes, and then you got people that are in this lane. And then she goes, what about the people? And then, like, for the next hour driving back, she's sitting there. I'm like, I hope you're writing all this down because it's going to be a great sermon to preach. And she's giving me all the content because our mind is on things above, not on things of the earth. I'm always thinking, how can I better minister to the people? How can I better preach to everybody else? How can I better lead them and make disciples? Lord, what, what tools can we use to grow this church to make disciples for the kingdom of God? See, when we follow these steps, when we die to self, when we rise with Christ, when we renew our mind, then we can truly stand fast in the liberty that we have. If we have not died to self, you're going to go right back. If you try to die to self, but you don't rise with Christ, then you just stink. Dead people just stink. There's got to be a resurrection. And then there's got to be a renewing. And when we do these things, we can stand fast. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, For you, brothers and sisters, 
have been called to liberty. You have been called to liberty. You have been called to freedom. But do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh because you'll get entangled again. Instead, we need to use our freedom for love to serve one another. When Jesus set me free in 1998, I was in the car business. I was making good money. A couple years later, my wife and I were getting ready to buy a dealership. We had it all planned out. I'm going to buy this dealership. Well, I'm going to work hard for about 20 years, and then I'm going to get me a big boat, and I'm going to let somebody else run my dealership while I'm down on the lake. But God. He said, you're done in the car business. You're going into ministry. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not a preacher, God. He said, I called you. I'll equip you. But Lord, you know my past. I do. And I'm going to use it for my glory. But God, preachers don't make any money. He said, I promise to supply all your needs, not all your wants. I got to do it, don't I, God? Yeah. I stand here today as a new creature in Christ. I was crucified. I rose. And my mind has been renewed. What about you? What about you? See, I did this because I want to persevere. I want to stand fast in freedom. Pastor Osiris, come on up. I'm asking you, have you made a decision? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hand. I'm asking the question. <laughs> See, there it goes again. We were over in Isle of Palms. And there was a guy on the phone, and we were just kind of eavesdropping. Actually, we weren't eavesdropping. He was just loudmouth. He was louder than I was. And he was talking real loud to somebody on the phone. And he kept asking them some questions. The person kept talking and asking them questions. And after about, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half on the phone, he was getting frustrated. And all of a sudden, Sheridan and I are standing right there. And I heard a guy says, hey, listen, I'm asking the questions. You're providing the answers. Instantly, my wife and I looked at each other like, She's used that on me I don't know how many times since then. She'll say something. I was like, well, what do you think about this? She goes, no, 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 I'm asking the questions. I'm asking the questions. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you have said, I've, I've been freed from this, but then you've gotten entangled? God's done a work in your life, but you found yourself right back in the same boat. Have you died to self Truly. Have you been raised with Christ? See, there's one thing about being saved. Get out of hell free ticket. And there's another thing about being changed. Born again. That's when you make Jesus Lord of your life. And the only way to truly get from saved to born again is renew your mind. Because if you're saved and you're still thinking the same way and you're still doing the same things, it's just a matter of time before you fall back entangled. So you need to ask the question and you need to answer the question. Am I living as I should or am I living as I please? Am I living according to the Word of God and following Jesus 
or am I living as I please for whatever makes my flesh happy? I was sitting with two pastors the other day having lunch. And we're just talking and, you know, I ordered my salmon and I ordered my greens and, you know, I eat healthy and, and I got me a glass of water. And the one guy, you know, I've known him for a while now, he looks at me and says, he says, Pastor Tim, he says, do you, do you ever eat unhealthy? I said, I used to. I said, but I try not to anymore. I said, this is the reality. I said, there's a lot of preachers standing in pulpits that are 100 pounds overweight, congestive heart failure, diabetes. They're going to die early, and God has called them to preach. They're sitting there pointing their finger at everybody else's sin when what they need to be doing is saying, I'm walking in sin. I don't want to walk in sin. I need to be an example to the church. I lost 20 pounds not because I wanted to buy a new wardrobe, because I didn't want to be one of those ministers at 60 years old that you were going to have to come and visit in the hospital because I had a heart attack. I died to my flesh. I've been raised with Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. And my mind has been renewed in the way that I live, the way that I talk, the way that I teach. What about you? Are you living as you should or are you living as you please?